I am Jehovah. I am who I am. Good morning, Full Life. How you doing this morning? Good to see you all today. And, you know, I just want to give you uh, some props today for being in church on the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. Can you give yourselves a hand today? Come on. It's so good. It's good to be in. I can't think of any better place to be than in the presence of Jesus on Memorial Weekend. Amen? Here's what I'd like to do in, in just honor of those who have gone before us, who have sacrificed so much. So really so you and I can do what we're doing today, to worship without fear. And there have been a lot of people who said, I'm willing to, to give my life up for my country. And many of them did that. And many of them actually literally gave their lives. And it's because of that that you and I have this honor today. So what I'd like to do is just take a minute or so and just have a moment of silence to remember those who fought for our freedom so we could do what we do today. Can we do that? Can you do that with me just for a second? Lord, thank you for the men and women who have, throughout history, given their lives for our country, who have dedicated themselves and just laid their lives down, paid the ultimate sacrifice. And Lord, we're thankful for that. And we thank you that it gives us this privilege today of worshiping you. But Lord, more importantly, we thank you for your sacrifice, for you laid your life down so that we could have eternal life and we could enjoy your presence forever. And so... Lord, we just give you honor and thanks for all that you've done, the, the, the sacrifice that you've made for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Well, we're in a series called The Names of God. This is our last installment in this series, and I've had a, I've had a really good time diving in and learning and growing. Anybody else had, had that same experience? You, you love this series. Anybody love that series on The Names of God? And so uh, it's, it's really cool because... Remember, we said, to begin this thing, to set it up, we said that Jehovah is the, the name that's the English name translated from the Hebrew name Yahweh, which is the holy name of God. It's a sacred name. And we really begin to paint a picture for you of, of the clarity of this, that this God that you serve wanted to come in and step into your situation and show himself and reveal himself to you so that you could have a personal, thriving relationship with him. Anybody glad that that's the reality, that this Jehovah God wanted to come near to you today? I'm glad for it. And so we've been talking about this since about six weeks ago, week one. Here's what we said. This, really, we said Jehovah, and then we, we have a compound name, and we declared that each name represents 
how he wants to reveal himself. Number one was Jehovah Jireh, that he's your provider. How I many you know he, he has shown himself real? Anybody experienced that, that he's your provider this morning? Week two, we said he's Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. No matter what the storm around you, no matter what the situation, you have peace because he's come near and he's Jehovah Shalom. Anybody experienced this peace before? Week three, we said he's our healer, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And the beauty is this, the stripes that were put on Christ's back made it a reality that you could be healed today, not just of your, your sin-sick soul, but in your body, in your mind, your will, your emotions. Are you glad he's the healer today? And then in week four, we said he's Jehovah Nisi. He's our banner of victory. And we declared that the cross is our banner of victory, that we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory, and we have it today. Are you glad you have victory today because of the cross of Christ? And then last week, we declared uh, that he is Jehovah Mikadesh. He's our sanctifier, that we're on this this journey where we're positionally sanctified the moment we place our faith in Christ. It's as if we'd never sinned at all. And then God loves you too much to leave you where you are. And so he takes you on a journey of progressive sanctification where he's getting all that, that stuff that you've, all the things you've watched, all the things you've listened to, he's getting all that out so that you can look more and more like Jesus. Is that anybody's goal today to look more and more like Jesus every day? So today I want to finish this off talking to you about Jehovah Sidkenu, which is literally translated the Lord, our righteousness. And what I'd like to do is I want to kind of throw this out there to you by asking you a real important question, all right? So what, what do you think in, in our society today the main misconception is about salvation and about righteousness or about being in right standing with God? What, do you, what would you say would be the, the main misconception? Anybody know? Anybody got a guess? Anybody? You want me to tell you? Here's what I believe. That, no, two things. Number one, that people think that in, inherently they're good. And secondly, they can earn through works, the things that they do, righteousness and right standing before God. And I want to declare to you with all certainty today, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches something drastically different, and it starts with this word righteousness. And what I want to do is, because some of you may say, well, pastor, I'm not really clear on what righteousness is. Well, I want to give you a simple definition, and it'll help clarify, because what I want to do today is I want to give you clarity about Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness, because here's what I'll say. If you can get a revelation, a vision, an understanding of him being your, your righteousness, then it'll clear up all these misconceptions that you have about him, right? And so here's the definition for righteousness. It's the quality of being morally right or justifiable, all right? Let me say it one more time. It's the quality of being morally right and justifiable. So I'll make this declaration. God is righteous. Here's the problem. He's righteous, and it's a, it's a standard. It's a, an ideal that you and I look to. The problem is it's a really high standard. I mean, you know, it's a high standard. Here's how high it is. It's perfection. And I have a question for you. Any, per any perfect people in the room? Lift your hands if you're a perfect person. Nobody in the room can do that. So here's, we begin to see the problem, right? Here's the standard. It's the ideal. 
It's God being righteous, holy, totally morally right in us. Y'all see that? What is there from here to here? It's a gap. The beauty is, I got some good news for you. I'm going to share some bad news with you first. But I'm going to share with you that this gap can be closed for you today. Are y'all ready to take a journey about understanding this, this God, Jehovah's Sick and New, the Lord our righteous? If you are, say amen. All right, and so here we are. We see that God is righteous, and here's even more clarity about how God feels about you today. This righteous God made a decision a long time ago. The Bible says from the foundation of the earth to put on human flesh and live out this existence as a human being. What's his name? Jesus, right? And so Jesus, as a human being, lived out moral rightness or perfection or righteousness perfectly, did he not? The Bible says this, that he was in the flesh, but he was tempted as you and I are, and yet didn't sin. So again, we have Jesus, the ideal, and us, there's a gap. Now, again, what's, what's the prevailing thought? I'm inherently good. I can do something to earn this salvation, this right standing with God. But before I, re- I want to kind of talk to you about that, but before I do, I want to read you one passage of Scripture so you can clearly understand this about God. Watch this. The Lord did not hesitate, this is Daniel chapter 9, to bring disaster on us, and I want you to read this with me. For the Lord our God is in what? Everything he does. Not some things. In everything he does, our God is righteous. In other words, he's morally right and does everything with perfection. Does that make, is that clear? A definition of, of, for you about righteousness. Now, the problem is that you and I have a problem with living that out. Because I want you to see this. Yet, we have not what? So, here's the standard. We're having a problem obeying the standard. Is that, is that right? That's what the Bible says. And so, I want to declare to you today, too, that, remember, God, is, God sent Jesus in human, to be a human being, and he is this Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. That's him, the person of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us, if we go to the Old Testament, I want to kind of, set some foundation for you, so I don't want to try to lose you, but I may get, I'm getting a little theological. Can y'all lean into that today? And so here's the reality. In the Old Testament, you read that God set apart the children of Israel as his own. These are my kids, right? And he's, he's, he loves them, and he says, if you'll follow me, if you'll listen to what I have to say, if you'll just lean into a relationship with me, I will bless you. The problem is, that's not what happened. Because of their moral failure, their rebellion and their sin, God said over and over again, come back, come back. That they would continue to wander and continue to rebel. And what he would do is he would send these messengers, we call them prophets in the Old Testament. He would say, hey, hey, wake up. 
God's saying, he's giving you some more time. Follow me, and I'll bless you. It never happened, did it? So here's the result. God says, I've had enough. I'm, I'm going I'm to divide your nation, north and southern kingdom, Israel, Judah. Two, uh, one nation that once was one, now they're divided. And the problem is they began to, they were so sinful that God said, I'm going to turn you over to other nations. And they became captive. Boy, anybody been held captive before? Can you identify with this? Because here's the truth. Folks, we've been held captive by our own sin. And we need a Savior. So here's what happened. It got so bad that they began to cry out as a, as a nation, we need a Savior. Is anybody in that place? I need a Savior. So they began to cry out. And they cried out. And God heard their prayer. So he sent his son Jesus but I want to read to you a prophecy that, the, that Jeremiah, one of the prophets, one of those messengers that God sent. God gave this message to Jeremiah because Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Why do you think he was, was weeping? Because he continued to share this message of God's love, of God's faithfulness, and it fell on deaf ears. You know, how, you know what? Sometimes as a pastor, sometimes as anybody in this room that shares the gospel, sometimes you feel that same way, don't you? That what you say falls on deaf ears. And so here's my prayer today, that what I tell you tonight, today doesn't fall on deaf ears. Because this is probably one of the most, this is the most important message that you'll hear. And watch this, Jeremiah 20, 23, verses 5 and 6. For the time is coming, says the Lord. Now you notice it's all caps. Remember, you guys remember? When it's all caps like that, what's the name we're talking about? Yahweh, right? So Yahweh or Jehovah says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line, he will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. Everybody read this with me. The Lord is our righteousness or Jehovah Sidkenu. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Folks, here's the good news. The good news is God heard their cry for a Savior. Now, this, this prophecy here really dates back further than that because here's what happened. Anybody familiar with King David? King David was arguably the best king that Israel ever had. As a matter of fact, his rule was known as the Golden Age of Israel. God prospered the nation because of David. And God said, he made a promise, a covenant with, him, with David. He said, listen, I will have somebody from your line on the throne. Now, there was some conditions if they follow me. And if you look and you, you read all the Old Testament, you see there was some wicked kings along David's line. But he had somebody in mind way down the road. And his name was Jesus. And so... The prophecy came through Jeremiah that God would send Jesus in the line of David. And what would he be? He would be the Lord, our righteousness. Now, I love it because you jump into the New Testament in the book of Luke. When God appears, to, the angel appears to Mary and makes this declaration, Mary, you have found favor with God and you're going to bear a son and his name is going to be Jesus. 
which means he's going to save the people from their sins. And so the angel declares this right before Jesus is born in Luke chapter 1. Let's read this together. You're going to see the culmination of this prophecy and its fulfillment in Christ. Watch this. He will be very great, talking about Jesus, right? And will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him what? The throne of his ancestor David. You see the fulfillment of the prophecy? Now watch this. And he will reign over Israel, how long? Forever. His kingdom will never end. Folks, when God makes a promise, are y'all hearing me today? He always delivers. I love this. He was delivered, and he became the deliverer. Amen. Are you glad for that today? So why are you saying this, Pastor? Because you have to understand this cry that Israel had. God heard the cry, sent Jesus. But remember, he planned this from the foundation of the world. That you and I could be righteous before God. So this clearly demonstrates for you and I that Jesus came, lived a human life, and became the Lord, our righteousness. Don't you love the personal part of that where it's our? You could even say it this way. The Lord is my righteousness. Everybody say that with me. The Lord is my righteousness. Are you glad for that today? But the problem is, you guys remember the gap? Holy God, perfect Jesus, righteous Jesus, my sinful nature, me being a sinner. Because If we're going to debunk some of these misconceptions, we have to understand something clearly. You cannot be righteous on your own. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you do, how many times you come to church, how much money you give in the offering, how many times you read your Bible, you cannot earn your own righteousness, folks. And if you believe that, I have some news for you. Out of the Bible, Isaiah chapter 9 says this, or 64, excuse me. We are all infected and impure with what? Sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Does that paint a picture of somebody, or you and I, being inherently good? Am I missing something? No, it's totally the opposite. And here's how I know, folks. Anybody got any kids in here? Young kids. You don't have to teach your kids how to be selfish, do you? You don't have to teach them how to get in fights with their siblings. I'm a testament to that. Because me and my brother, boy, we used to duke it out. There's so one time I remember I had a, I had a ball bat. And I said, I'm going to hit you with that thing. And he said, well, if you hit me, you better kill me. <laughs> did he need for, him, for my mom and dad to tell him that he's a sinner? Or, or did I need that? No. What happens? I am inherently, I'm not inherently good. I'm inherently a sinner. In the need of forgiveness and grace. There's more, there's more evidence the human condition is this. 
It's, we're sinful because of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. They, they disobeyed God. Remember what he told them, don't eat. And they did it anyway. Because of their sin, you and I have this problem. It's called sin. That's not a popular word in our culture, is it? But it's still the truth. We are not morally right on our own. God has given us his standard in the scripture. And when I look at his standard in the scripture, I'm really convinced that I'm not inherently good. Because I don't know about you, I have a problem living up to it. Does anybody else have that same problem? Am I the only one? So we've got this huge gap, this huge problem. We're not inherently good. We're actually sinners. Go with me to Romans 3. I'm going to give you more, just show you even more in the, in the scripture. This is Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing in Romans. Watch what he says. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, everybody say all people, whether Jews or Gentiles are what? Under the power of sin. Ooh, huge problem. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. We got some major problems, don't we? Keep reading. So here, here, here is, here, here's the thing. So anything that we do to try to, to earn righteousness falls way short, doesn't it? That's the way I am. We cannot obtain this righteousness on our own. But here's what we can do. We can appreciate God sending Jesus. I'll declare it this way. If you could earn it yourself, if there was a possibility that you could earn your own righteousness, why in the world would God need to send Jesus to die on the cross? It would be pointless for him to be able to do that if you and I could achieve that righteousness. And so we have to come to the conclusion, I need a Savior. I need Jehovah Sidkenu. I need him to be my righteousness. So maybe you ask the question, well, what does it take? If I can't earn it through the things I do, then how is it possible? You ready for that? We are made righteous with God, with, through Christ, through our faith in Christ. So through our faith in him. Anybody believe that? It's what the Bible teaches. We are made righteous. Everybody say made righteous. How? By placing our faith in Christ's finished work. Well, pastor, show me. I'll show you in the Bible. I'll never preach anything that I can't show you in the scripture. Amen? Same chapter, Romans 3, verse 21. But now... God has shown us a way. Everybody say a way. A way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and prophets long ago. Next verse. We are made right with God. Everybody say made right with God. Or righteous before God, right? By placing our faith in Christ Jesus. There it is. This is the key. If you want to be righteous, if you want to close the gap, what do you do? You place your faith in Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Not just a few. 
It doesn't matter what your social class is. doesn't matter what your nationality. Anybody who says, Lord, I believe you died and rose again. I place my faith in you. What does it say? You're made right with God. Or another way of saying it, you've been made righteous. This is true for everyone. For everyone has sinned. Again, we're, we're seeing the problem. What's the problem? We've all sinned. We've come short. We've fallen short of the standard. There's this huge gap. And then verse 24, more good news. Yet God in his grace, freely, everybody say freely. Now, it's free for you, but what did it cost Jesus? It cost Jesus his life. He freely makes us right in the sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. We said that last week. The moment you confess Christ, you're sanctified. You're free from the penalty of sin. That's good news. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in the past. Verse 26, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his, say it loud, his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Did you notice how many times in those few passages that he said that? Place your faith. Believe how many times? You're made right. How? By your faith in Christ. And the beauty of this, folks, is because if you think about the blood of Christ, you know, we, we sing about the blood a lot. We talk about the blood of Christ. And I think about the old system of sacrifice. You remember, if you, if you ever studied the Old Testament, you know they had this, this temporary place of worship called the tabernacle. And once a year, the priest, the high priest, would go in to a place called the Holy of Holies. And he would offer a blood sacrifice from an animal, and it would have, have to happen once a year. Why? Because the strength of that blood, it wasn't enough to cover forever. But aren't you glad the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the world, the moment he shed his precious blood on the cross, your sins, folks, this is, this is good news, your sins past, present, and future are taken care of. Are you glad for that this morning? Are you glad for the blood of Jesus? We sing that song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Christ. As Isaiah says it, he says, Though my sins be as scarlet, there's white as snow. Thank you, God. Can we take a minute right now to thank God for his blood? Lord, thank you. Thank you that we, ha- we can be made righteous because of the blood of Christ. So as you can see, your righteousness is not going to cut it. But Christ. In you, your faith in Christ is how you're made righteous. And this is, this is the, the part that kind of blows my mind a little bit. I want to give you an analogy. So picture your, your bank account. And some of this may, I hope it's not true for you, but your, your, your account is like way in the red. Like you're negative like a, a million dollars. It's a problem, isn't it? Real big problem. And then somebody comes along out of the blue and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to deposit $5 million in your account. Amen. 
This is what Christ's sacrifice has done for you. Folks, the truth is, you're morally bankrupt without Jesus. Right? And when he went to the cross and he said it is finished, and then we've placed our faith in him, he credits, come on somebody, he credits your account. And now you're no longer spiritually bankrupt. Now you're blessed and highly favored of God. Come on somebody. Here's what we call this. It's a theological term. If you want to write it down, you can study it. It's called imputed righteousness. Which really literally means he's credited your account with his righteousness. Boy, I love that trade-off. Thank you, Jesus. Are you glad for that exchange? He who knew no sin became sin for me that I could become the righteousness of God. Come on, somebody celebrate that this morning. Come on, celebrate it. It's good news. It's good news, folks. And so I love it because, you know, we, we, we often think about the New Testament is really where we see grace the most. But in the very first book of the Bible, you see it. You see grace through faith. Anybody familiar with a guy named Abraham? So Abraham, God says to Abraham, I want you to leave your home, to, your home country, and I want you to go to this land I'm going to give you. And then he has these moments with God where God says, I promise you, I'm going to bless you and your descendants. And here's the cool part, and everybody on the planet because of you, will be blessed. And the Apostle Paul recognizes, and even, even in other places in the Bible, here's what happened. Because of Abraham's faith, because he stepped out and said, okay, God, I hear you. I'm, I'm going to go to that land that you, you promised to give me. He had faith. And the Bible recognizes this. Let's read it together. Galatians 3, 6. In the same way, Abraham did good works. What did it say? Believed God, and God counted him as? What did he count him as? Because of his faith. This is Old Testament, folks. This is before the law was even given to Moses. God recognized from the very foundation of the world that if you'll just place your faith, I will count you as righteous. That's good news. It's credited into your account. It's been imputed to you. God's righteousness for your sin. So what did, what did my faith in, in Christ's finished work do to that gap? Did it make it wider? No. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, folks. There does not have to be a gap anymore in your life. And the beauty is, folks, it's not just, not just about the fact that he has made you righteous because of his, his death on the cross. His life itself, his obedience to God while he was here, was a, was a picture, remember the ideal, was an ideal picture of what righteousness looks like. Remember what he did. He went around showing mercy. Did he not? 
He showed grace to those, to those who were the most sinful. He showed the most grace. Where grace abounds, where sin abounds, what? Grace abounds even more. Are you with me today? And so this idea that not only got Christ's death, but his life, this righteousness can be imputed to me. I'll say it this way. Christ obeyed the law perfectly. Because remember, he didn't, come to, uh, he didn't come to demolish the law, right? He came to fulfill it totally. And he did. And so, the truth is, because I'm in Christ, guess what? It's like I was living the same way. Because he has credited my account with his righteousness. Here's how Charles Spurgeon said it. You guys are familiar, if you guys know who Charles Spurgeon is. He was a, a preacher in the, the 1800s, and uh, he was called the Prince of Preachers. And I want to read to you what he says about this idea that, that our, our, you know, Christ fulfilling the law is imputed to us. Watch this. We are considered, as soon as we believe, as though the works of Christ were our works. Isn't that powerful? And then he goes on to say, God looks upon us as though that perfect obedience, talking about Christ's obedience, of which I have just now spoken, had been performed by ourselves. How? By the grace and the mercy of God. What was his motivation, folks? For, for taking such great lengths, for showing you what righteousness looks like, for not making it about you having to do something, but him doing all the work and you just believing, what was it that motivated him to do that? The most familiar passage in the Bible, you see it at football games, is the reason God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, everybody hate say whosoever, believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? That's the reason he imputed his righteousness to you, because he loves you. Amen. As we say it around here all the time, this full life that Christ promised in John 10, 10 is possible because you're in him, because his righteousness is in you, because of your faith. You can live out your God-given purpose. You're created on purpose for purpose, amen? There's a reason why God has you on planet Earth. Not to just take up space or take up air. No, there is something God has called you to do. He has set you apart like we said last week. He has sanctified you. He has made you righteous in the eyes of God so that you could do great exploits for the kingdom of God, amen? That's why. And so I don't want anybody to misunderstand me about this. Righteousness... In Christ is all because of our faith. But here's the truth. It doesn't mean, and if, he, if you come out of here, go ahead or say, and Pastor Lance says, I, don't, I can live any way that I want to because of that. You've, you've been sadly, you've misunderstood this totally. Because, because I'm righteous in Christ, it's his life in me now. Y'all with me? It's him, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's what it is. And because I have the mind of Christ now, I begin to live like Christ. Now, it's a journey. 
Remember we said last week, progressive, we're not going to be perfect all at once. There are going to be some times when you blow it. Amen. Can I get an amen this morning? Some of you blew it this morning before you got to church. I did yesterday. My wife could attest to that. You, you understand, it's, it's Christ's life in me. It's, it's this journey that I'm on. And so here's what happens. Here, here's what I'll declare to you. If you'll, just, if you'll just take the time to invest in your relationship with Christ through prayer, through opening God's word, you know what will happen? God will begin to renew your mind. I was joking in the first service, Charlie. I noticed he's not in here. I was picking on him earlier. But it wasn't he. I was just making, you know, I was just saying an example. I just saw Charlie. I said, Charlie, it's like, it's like Charlie using four-letter words all the time. He don't really, but. And then as he spends time with his king, with his father, in, in his private time and Bible reading and prayer, pretty soon those words begin to disappear and people begin to take notice. Charlie, you ain't cussed in a while. What is it? It's the conversation. Lean into this. It's the conversation that you're having with your dad. Any dads in the room? Any moms in the room? When you sit down with your kids and you say, hey, here's how it's supposed to go. Here, here, here are the boundaries. Here's the lines. I, I want you to live this way. So here's what God says. Yeah, th- this is an area of your life that I want you to give to me. It's not me striving and trying. No, as I'm reading his word, my mind's being renewed. As I'm having a conversation with my dad, what happens is pretty soon my affections change. My desires change. I want to be like my dad. And then pretty soon people are saying, okay, what is it? And then here's what you get to say. It's not, <laughs> look at how holy I am. <laughs> I'm more righteous than you, sir. No, it's in humility. Here's what Christ has done for me. I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. I was on my way to hell. And Christ, in his mercy, rescued me, made me righteous in his eyes. And now I have a relationship with him. I'm talking with him every day. I'm letting him change me from the inside out. That's why you see the change. It has not really anything to do with me. It's all about him. Do you see the difference, folks? Because when I begin to think I can do it, I get prideful. I get like the Pharisees that went around and say, hey, you didn't do this. And oh, you missed that. You, you picked a little bit of weed on the Sabbath. No, it's all about the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and his righteousness. Now, I'll ask you a question. How many of you are glad he closed the gap? He closed it. He closed it. Everybody say it. He closed the gap. Maybe you can, every time you, you think you try to think in your own righteousness, you, maybe you can do that. He closed the gap. This is why I'm righteous before God, because he closed the gap. Those of you that are struggling, you know, you say, Pastor, I just don't know. I have a hard time living this Christian life. Well, you're not alone, folks. Christ has empowered you through the Holy Spirit to live it out. I love what John says. He says, 
His commands. They're not burdensome. He's promised to walk with you through this, to help you. He sent His Holy Spirit to live inside you, to help you walk this out. I love what Paul says, and it gives us encouragement in Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do, everybody say it, I can do all this, or all things through who? Through Christ, who gives me strength. Where's your strength come from to live this out? Your own? No, whose is it? It's Christ, remember, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So maybe you feel like today, you're in this room, you're like, Pastor, the gap is still there for me. How do I do it? How do I fix it? It's easy, right? Place your faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And in a moment, aren't you glad? In a moment, what does he do? It doesn't take a few hours. It doesn't take several days. In a moment, what does he do to the gap? Closes it. Would you stand this morning? I want you to understand this real quick as we're, we're about to pray together. Understand these things about God. Number one, they'll put those up there. Understand that righteousness involves this moral rightness. This is perfection that God offers. Understand that Jesus is your Lord. Everybody say, he's my Lord. Number three, understand that your righteousness, it won't get the job done, folks. It can't do it. It falls short every time. Understand this, that you are righteous when you place your faith in Christ's finished work. And then lastly, you can, you can be righteous. You can have that imputed righteousness. And you can live righteously in this day and age. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.